Hey everyone, it's me, Ivan, host of the Eagle Eye Podcast. I just want to let you guys know the following is a little bit staticky. We do want to apologize. Uh, we thought all of our servers were running smoothly. Turns out it wasn't. So we do apologize. We will get this fixed for next episode. I hope you guys still enjoy it, and we'll see you guys on the next one. Take care. And we are live. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Eagle Eye Podcast, episode four. Uh, wow, what a week we had with Club America. I hope you guys are ready. Hope you guys got your tacos are sitting in. And uh, happy Tuesday to every single one of you guys listening and watching as well. So it's going to be an absolutely crazy, crazy podcast because, of course, we have so much to talk about. We have the Clásico Capitolino that we're going to give a review. Uh, we're going to have our preview of the Atlas game coming up, and will Jeremy Menace finally make that debut? I guess we'll have to find out. And of course, we got a lot of topics in regards to the Mexican national team, and uh, we're gonna sneak in a little bit of Cotomo Blanco as well later on in the podcast. So before I jump on and do anything, I want to welcome my co-host, Mr. Dylan Jimenez. How are you, my man? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me, man. All right, it's always a pleasure whenever we can link up and talk about everything Las Aguilas de la America. So I hope you guys are ready. I hope you guys are excited because there is a lot to talk about. So uh, first things first, uh, anything you want to say to the public? Um, just thanks for all the support y'all gave us, guys. You know, thanks for coming out and watching us. And we hope to bring out the best content that we can possibly can. And we appreciate any feedback y'all can give us. Definitely. We love to interact with every single one of you guys. So if you guys do not know yet, we do have a Twitter for the podcast. So if you guys have any questions, have any suggestions, anything you guys just want to get back to us, make sure you guys follow us in the description. We'll have our Twitter handle, which is at Eagle iPod. So uh, without further ado, also we want to thank you guys for the support. Like Dylan said, we are on iTunes and iCloud. So if you, know, if you ever were to miss the show, then you also also find us on those platforms. So let's start things off. Uh, let's talk Classico Capitolino. Of course, a Sunday early, bright and early Sunday matchup for a couple of us here. Um, I know it was uh, it was exactly twelve over there for you. It was ten o'clock for us. So those who party and we're still trying to deal with their hangover kind of had a hard time waking up for that one. But uh, what uh, I don't you t- you texted me this because I thought the game was you know scheduled at two my time four o'clock your time and, and uh, your text message actually woke me up and you were like hey game starting at at uh, at twelve. Yeah, you know I would I just wake up and like I'm over here checking my Twitter and I see the Club America. Um, official Twitter page saying that they're arriving at the stadium, the team is, and I'm just like, um, isn't it supposed to be at four of my time? And so that's whenever I decided to text you, and I even re- had it written in my planner for four. Like I scratched out the twelve and put four, and so I was expecting it to be at four. So, but it ended up being at twelve. So, there. <laughs> I know, and I think I told you I was like, maybe they knew that Menes was not gonna be be on on. Know on the play, so maybe that's why they probably switched it back to 12. But whatever the reason may be, we woke up early, we got ourselves together, and we were able to watch the show. I know you did the live coverage on Twitter, uh, which was an excellent job. Um, so let's talk the game now that we kind of rambled on about that. So, kind of a frustrating result at the end, but if you take a step back and look at everything. I think maybe a pretty reasonable result. America walks out of there with a nil-nil draw. I think, you know, you, you want to look at things positively. Uh, we kept the clean sheet, which is absolutely amazing. And I want to say for the most part, 
you know, without if you kind of take into consideration all nine minutes, I think America were the better side for the most part. So uh, my question to you, Dylan, uh, what were your thoughts and reactions after the final whistle went? Yeah, like you said, man, just a frustration result. But I feel like the game could have gone both ways, you know. Both teams had equal opportunities to score goals, but, you know, just not not either team could finish their chances. And so it was a frustrating result, but I feel like it was also a positive result. You know, going into the first half, you know, um, the first 10 minutes for me, just about the first 10 minutes were kind of – it kind of seemed kind of shaky. It kind of seemed some players were hesitant with their passes and stuff like that. But as the game progressed on – you know, we've shown to be the better side through the first 45 minutes. You know, it came down to the wire a little bit, you know. Um, you know, Bumas had the chance, you know, uh, that Nico Castillo um, shot on goal. Well, I wouldn't say it was on goal because it went wide of the post. But, man, I mean, who knows if he would have finished that, you know. scene was beat. And, you know, I kind of I, – I wouldn't have been mad that much at that goal because that goal would probably would have been amazing if he would have finished it. But, anyways, that's not the point. Um Frustrated in the second half, you know, it just seemed like we started off pretty good. You know, we had Pumas chasing the ball. We were holding possession. And then it seemed like Pumas got a little bit of momentum in the second half and started the ball instead of making them chase the ball. And so, and, you know, like you said, we talked about it, you know, they seem to be, get, the team seemed to be getting fatigued a little bit, stuff like that. And, you know, there's, you know, some questions about when Miguel Herrera made his subs, you know, uh, like you said, I would have liked to seen Joe Corona come on a little bit sooner than what he did, which was really upsetting. But, you know, in the end, you know, it was a pretty fair result. It could have gone either way. Neither team finished their chances. You know, it's just now, now how, how can we finish our chances going to the next game is my question. Yeah, that's a very valid point to bring up. Um, I think before we dive into the deep nitty, uh, you know, details about everything, I think um, let's start at the beginning. Let's start at where, where everything started. It was the confirmation of the lineup. I think uh, I tweeted out through the Eagle Eye podcast uh, Twitter page the, the 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 lineup and the formation, which was going to be a four four two. It looked like Miguel Adela actually stuck to that by this time. I have it written down right here. Um, all right, so lineup was Marchengo, no real surprise. Etan Alvarez at right back, Bruno Valdez Aguilera at the center back positions, and then we have Vargas on the left. Uh, Guido and Uribe made the midfield, while Renato Ibarra and Cecilio Dominguez played out through the wings. Henry Martin and Rio Peralta played up top in the middle. So, uh, seeing that lineup being confirmed, what were your initial thoughts going into this match, knowing that that was going to be our starting eleven going up against uh, you know a very good Pumas? Uh, it's a, it's a good lineup. It's a strong lineup. It's probably one of the best um, best lineups that we can put at this moment. You know, obviously, you know we're missing Poggy Light right now, even though he's out for injury. But still, I mean, it's a strong lineup, and and I thought this was the lineup that could get us um, the three points, but it didn't. Yes, obviously, the big surprise there was the fact that there was no Darum Quintero and that Cecilio Dominguez was going to be taking his place. Um, a lot of people were hesitant about giving Cecilio Dominguez a start. I know I was one of those uh, kind of treading on uh, cautious water because he did not prove to be the best player, uh, you know, leading up to the last season and now going up against a very strong Puma side in a stadium where, you know, we, let's face it, never had the luxury of having the best results. So I was quite hesitant, but I think overall, Cecilio Dominguez kind of did, I want to say, okay. I don't know what what you think. 
Yeah, he did. He did okay. I thought he, he had an average game. You know, um, obviously not the Cecilio Dominguez that we want having to perform week in and week out. You know, it was an average game for him. You know, we've seen him kind of try to take off, a, take on a few defenders at a time, but obviously getting dispossessed just seemed like over and over. You know, I think the only thing Cecilio Dominguez is really good for is John fouls and giving us those free kicks that were pretty close to the box. Yeah. He he did he played an all right game. I think um I what I wanted to say around maybe the 70th minute was when I actually wanted this guy to maybe step off the pitch and give Ibarwan a shot. Um they took out Renato Ibarra, which I think was I, I don't know. I think Renato Ibarra was our best player on the pitch. Um especially going forward because he brings such versatile in his play, the way he can just kind of cut inside, get through defenders, or actually go through the wide uh uh the wide line. So I think Cecilia Dominguez at the end was an okay player. Um, a lot of people are calling him for the Atlas meme for, for him to start. I don't know if I'm on board with that just yet, um, but let's talk about the first half and let's, uh, you know, I think things started off very well. We started off very lively. America uh, started, you know, getting position, dominating, uh, kind of, you know, pushing Pumas back and letting Pumas do most of the running at the beginning and kind of just holding on to the ball, dictating the play, which is exactly what we talked about in the last podcast. If you want to play against a very good side, you want to hold the ball as much as possible. I think America did well. I think America were a bit unfortunate not to finish some of their chances. But like you said, we need those. We need to be more clinical or else we're going to see, uh, you know, a story, you know, quite similar to what we saw, you know, last season when we couldn't score a goal. Yet we still had our chances. Um, you know, opening first couple of minutes, I think opening 20 minutes, America looked the better side. Uh, after that, of course, America then, you know, subdued to Pumas pressure and kind of more more or less gave Pumas the opportunity to go up and be the better team. Uh, what do you think went wrong for America after those 20 minutes that Pumas were kind of, you know, looked to be the more dominant side? Um, like I said, you know, I think it was just us getting dispossessed, you know, like I said, the first 10 minutes were kind of strange to me, you know, it kind of seemed like everybody was uh, hesitant in their passing game, you know, kind of hesitant in what to do. And so, you know, um, just the nerves knowing it's a classical too. And, you know, this is a rival team and, you know, it's a dangerous team too, and knowing what they can do with the ball. And so, you know, once it just seems like once they lose possession, it's just kind of seeming like, um, trends for the ball that much and so they're just trying to absorb that pressure seems like to me and it's just not something that we can do you know we got to be able to chase the ball and win back possession somehow and you know we've seen some, we've seen some of that too winning possession getting that back with the possession but it, it's just that we need to work on having that possession as much as possible i think i would call it um just sloppy from america's uh uh, you know, from from the sense that their passing was very sloppy at points. Uh, you can't really give away the ball in the midfield the way that Matias Oreva gave up a ball once, you know. You game dispossessed. I think a player that kind of had a really good game maybe did not shine in the eyes of many was Guido Rodriguez. Um, he got on the ball. He did great turns. He did great coverage. Um, yet he still kind of lacked a little bit more of a position on my end at least to think that he, you know, that America was definitely the more dominant side. Um, if we kind of look at the basis of this side, I think you ought to think that a man like Henry Martin 
was going to be having the opportunity of a lifetime to be able to shine. Yet we saw that the man was very isolated. Do you think that this was due to the fact that um, maybe he was just not used to playing up top of the new Peralta because we've seen him play out wide a little bit more often? Or did you just think maybe it was just not his night, but he could definitely play up top when when it came to when it comes to it and it could be a very good partnership between him and Oribe? I think it could be a good partnership, you know. I mean, you talked about it and stuff like that, you know. Um, we've seen him score his uh, his goal against Luka in the preseason. We've seen him score in the past two games, in the, op- in the opening games. And so um, I don't see why not, you know. maybe Like you said, it's just it just probably wasn't, could have been his day and stuff like that, you know. I would like to see him work, though, more in, more on the outside, like you said. That's where we've seen him play the most, too, a little bit. And his day, in my opinion. Should be interesting to see how uh, Miguel Rivera sets his lineup against Atlas, which we'll we'll get on that a little bit later on in the pod. Um, exactly what we think the lineup should be uh, going into this game at home against Atlas. But let's stay on the topic that is the Clásico Capitolino. Um, it played out actually really well in the first half, and you actually you know, America ends up closing it maybe uh, a little bit better than than what we'd expect uh, after Pumas was actually being the more dominant side. Uh, what do you think overall? Forty-five minutes. Do you? Uh, I think we're unlucky not to get a goal. I think that at the end of the day, if we had our shooting boots on, we definitely could have gone at least one nil up, and uh, maybe the game would have turned around for that. What are your What are your overall thoughts after those forty-five minutes? Yeah, it was a good. It was a good for forty-five minutes. You know, we were obviously the better team in this game. You know, just like I said, just finishing our chances. You know, just we just missed a lot of chances that we could have capitalized on, and you know, who knows? You know, maybe it could have ended with that and going into the halftime, but it didn't, and so it stayed zero-zero going into the halftime, which is just unlucky from us. But also, you know, there was things that we needed to work out too, as well. You know, such as holding the ball a little better and the passing game too, you know, not giving up uh, possession. I think the one thing that America lacks is that once we get into that final third, our decision-making is not the best. I think um, perfect example is Cecilio Dominguez. There was a point in time when he had the opportunity to either keep running down the byline, yet he wanted to touch the ball and kind of cut inside and take a shot uh, and take on the man. I think that, I think, you know, like I said, to you when that happens, you can see that there's a lack of confidence in the guy. But most importantly, he should know, he should be smarter and say, this is not the opportunity for me to try to take on one or two players. It's the opportunity to try to use and abuse my speed, go down the byline and get that ball inside Foribe or Henry. Um, I think, yeah, it's, it's a pretty decent 45 minutes in the end. Um, we're going, now we jump into the second half. Um, Puma starts off a little bit better. They start pressing us back. They start giving us the opportunity. Um, they start giving us a, uh, no real opportunity to get, of, get out of our own opportunity. I mean, excuse me, out of our own half. And then just suddenly, just like that, America seems to kind of fight back in pressure and kind of, you know, look better and win the ball. Um, what do you think uh, – what do you think is happening at this point when – you see that America's getting pinned back. You see that um, we're not really holding on to the ball and that we're just kind of soaking in the pressure. Do you think that is because Miguel Herrera wants it to be that way? Or do you think the players uh, just kind of don't have an answer at the moment? 
I just think the players didn't really have an answer because you see at the beginning too, uh, was the same against Machuco, you know, we kind of opened a half with a corner. Made me made me a little nervous because, you know, in the last game against Machuco, you obviously know what happened is that we lit in a, a corner within the first minute of the half and Pachuco capitalized on that corner and score. And so it just gets me nervous knowing, knowing that it might be a repeat of last week and that the players don't have an answer for it yet. And so, you know, as it, as it progressed on, you know, obviously, you know, it got a little better. It's it's still nerve-wracking and frustrating, too, as well. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely frustrating and nerve-wracking. Uh, let's see, what else do I have written down here? Um, let's see. I mean, overall, uh, I look, I'm going through my notes, and... You know, there's lapses of, of of times where I see Pumas is better than we're better. And, you know, it, it kind of just, you know, it, it diddle-daddles off of that. But I think for the most part, if you look at it, I think America were the better side. We still had our opportunities in the second half. Let's not, let's not forget. Um, I think, you know, I think it just goes down to what we were saying. We don't have our finishing uh, boots on, and it's going to be a problem later on in the season if we can't get him going. Um, of course, the big news after everything, of course, was the fact that, uh, well, actually, two big news, but we'll get on to the second one uh, a little bit right now. Uh, we had the debut of uh, Ibarwin. Uh What did you think about the about the Colombian winger? Um, too soon to tell. I don't think he got enough touches. I don't think he got to make a, that much of an impact to really make a judgment on how he'll be for for us, really, because um, I remember when he came on, but I, in my opinion, I don't think he had that much of an impact on the game, be, being because he wasn't given that many chances and opportunities to be on the ball, runs, or taking on a defender or anything like that. Yeah, like you said, too soon. I think the game didn't matter for him. Um, I think once he came in, uh, I think I looked a little bit more tired. They kind of were soaking a little bit more of the pressure. They weren't really being explosive in a sense. Um, so let's kind of talk about those last kind of couple minutes. So the game's still nil-nil, but the, at this point, Pumas has looked to be the better side. Nico Castillo had, what, two what, – did he hit the post twice? Or, or, or am I just making that up? Um, I don't remember him hitting the post. I just remember that that one shot that he had that uh, I mentioned. Yeah, he had that remember... shot in the first half that almost went in. Then he had a header. I think that uh, he uh, does he hit the post. I I want to say that he hits the post or he hits it straight to Machacin. Um, apologies for for me not remembering that. Uh, but it looked like Nico Castillo was starting to you know get his rhythm going, and 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 it looked a little you know like you know. You gotta contain this guy a little bit more, or else we're gonna get uh, on the receiving end of one of his shots. Uh, which was, I mean, you know, in theory, I think uh, the way America se planteó for this game, the way they set up, was actually really good. I think at the end of the day, you can't really point the fingers at Piojo as much as you can to the players for not executing uh, the game plan, which I'm pretty sure was get the ball pressed high. And you know, go down the wings and use you know, just get in behind the defenders and and, and finish them away, which we did, you know, to some extent. We had our options, didn't take them. Um, I think though the best thing about this was the fact that Bruno Valdez was on Nico Castillo, 
like a like a piece of gum that's stuck under your shoe. It just did not leave his side whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, which is good. I mean, um, we had some good marketing and a little bit good defending too. You know, it's just that we got lucky with some of those shots, like you said, not going in. You know, but obviously making Nico Castillo very frustrated. You know, not him be able to do nothing despite him scoring in the past two games too. And I think he had two goals last week too and an assist. And that's whenever I text you said. Man, I'm kind of nervous, you know, Nico Castillo playing. You know, this is a healthy Nico Castillo. Uh, not the Nico Castillo that we played in the Apertura either. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, it was, it was good overall performance for me, for Bruno, you know, knowing that he was able to lock down Nico Castillo. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was a, it was was really good on Bruno Valdez's part to be able to, to you know, uh, defend so well and, and contain Nico Castillo you know, as much as possible, which he did good, you know, let's be fair to the guy. He did absolutely good. Um, I think overall you get uh, a sense that maybe the defense is starting to look a little bit better. Um, you know, let's, let's, let's talk Edson Alvarez for a second. Uh, obviously the kid uh, playing his second game after the, you know, after coming off in the substitution against Pachuca starts his first game in the Clausura at right back. Um, I think it's fair to say, it looks it looks like that's not his preferred position. Um, it looks like he's struggling still to to kind of cope with uh, with with the pressure of what it is you know Paul Aguilar has been able to do in that sense. And of course, maybe uh, a little bit of that backlash of uh, of of that game against Pachuca. What do you think overall of Edson Alvarez's performance? I'm sorry, I just got to bring it up once. You know, Edson. You can't get burnt like that, man. I mean, I, I mean, I understand, you know, this kid doesn't play right back, but but still, I mean, like that. I mean, I I I felt bad for the kid. You know, I felt bad. You know, I was I was kind of worried after that, but no, I mean, he showed some good resilience, man. You know, after after being burnt, you know, he he stepped up. You know, he he put on a a pretty good performance. You know, um the games I post the, the, the ratings and, you know, I probably don't agree with sofa scores rating for Edson, but I I still give him a decent, decent to average game overall performance for the guy, you know, because to me, you know, it seemed, it seemed kind of quiet, you know? So, and, you know, to me, there can be some good things, you know, if, if the back line is quiet and there can also be some bad things if the back line is quiet, you know, because if the back line's quiet, you know, that means that those either winning the ball and holding good possession, the back line's doing their, their job too, or the bad is that in the game and you're doing an awful job. So, I mean, it, it just kind of goes either way for me. That's true. That's true. I mean, you know, there's a, they both go hand in hand. Um, I think, yeah, uh, Edson... Showing a little bit better of a performance. Um, I, I mean, he yeah he got burnt. He, let's let's be honest. He did not have the best time when Gallardo was you know realized that he wasn't you know comfortable in that right back position. But still, I think it goes back to I think it goes back to the basic defending that if you have someone running at you, maybe don't give yourself so much up when you're about to defend. Um, either way, I think, you know, he recuperates from last game against Pachuca, has a little bit better game against Pumas. Hopefully we get to see a Paola Aguilar come back, which means Edson Alvarez either play in the center defense mid-roll 
or in center back role. So let's see. Let's hope for the best. It's not this. Um, if you're listening to this, keep your head up. Uh, we love you, Share the Eagle Eye podcast, but please defend a little bit better if it does come to you being our right back for the meantime. Um, so the game ends nil-nil, but without its controversies, of course. So America, America loses a player to a red card, which, I mean, nowadays is uh, it, it kind of seems like it's, it's, a, it's a normal thing. Uh, but this red card, I think uh, many, and I mean many people, not just Americanistas, but people outside, did not think that this was a red card. So, for those of you who didn't watch the game, I'm pretty sure you're caught up. But if you aren't, uh, America gets a free kick in which I think uh, someone, uh, I can't remember, what was it? Yeah, that one that crosses the ball in. Someone has the ball back in. And then Matias Uribe goes for the Chilena. But while Matias Uribe goes for the Chilena, Nico Castillo, it's Nico Castillo, right? Um, I can't remember who Puma's player is. I believe it's Nico Castillo. Tries to go in for the header. Both the cleat and the head collide. They clash. Uh, the Puma's player goes down. Matias Uribe, you know, goes down as well. Uh, and then gets up. Referee doesn't hesitate, doesn't blink, doesn't even think twice, goes for his back pocket, gives Matias Uribe a red card. I think everyone at that point was shocked that uh, the referee was able to do that. Obviously, yes, it was a little ugly. You know, whenever a head clashes with an ongoing kick, it's always going to be nasty. But, I mean, you look at the fact that it was intentional, and you kind of think, what's going on? So, the the red gets pulled out. What are you thinking? Well, first, you know, um, I'm just like, well, what the heck? You know, what's the red for? Like, I didn't understand what the red was for. And then I go and see the replay, I'm on like, well, Uribe doesn't really have control over that. You know, he's playing the ball. It's not like he's going to intentionally uh, kick who, who we believe Nico Castillo in the head. You know, it's it's just unintentional. The dude's playing the ball. Possibly maybe understanding yellow, but a straight red, you know, it's just something that that it's it's not it's not really explainable. It's not understandable to see why it was a straight red. I mean – you can, you, yeah, I mean, you can merit a yellow card, like, no doubt about it. Okay, you know, he kicks him in the head. I guess you can give him yellow. But a red card, it seems unfair by, the, by you know, any standard, really. I mean, it's it's a 50-50 ball, basically. He's going in for a Chilena. He has no control, like you said, about that. He doesn't know that the Pumas player is coming in with his head. He's already, he's already midway through the Chilena, when he sees that a Pumas player is going to be there, his best intention is, I want to get the ball first before I collide. I'm pretty sure he's not, oh, let me kick his head. You know, like that That was not what Matias Uribe was going for. And it was. it's frustrating that uh, that the referee actually pulls the red card. Um, even, the, even the commentary said, you know, it, it was way too harsh of a red card. I mean, a yellow, you understand, and, and you can kind of, you know, have a lean, uh, a leniency towards that, but a straight red card, absolutely not. I think there's some injustice that was there, and I think that wasn't even the worst part. I think the worst part comes after America puts in their appeal to get that red card, you know, kind of backtracked and, and taken off. The federation still says no. Matias Uribe will serve that one match ban because of that red card for an unintentional kick to the face, which. At most, should have been a yellow. 
yes, it's 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 dangerous play by any means, but it's not intentional. And I think that's the part that we need to be more focused about. I think you know, it, you know, if if it was to happen to any other player, you know, we, we'd say the same thing. It doesn't matter that he's wearing a Medica jersey, and it doesn't matter that the other person was wearing a Pumas jersey. I think he, in any aspect of the game, if you see in a, a challenge like that, you kind of you know you say yes, it, it's ugly, but you can see that there was no harm by the player who committed that said foul. Um, but uh, what, were you, what were your reactions? I know I was I was a little bit mad at the fact that the federation said no to the appeal. Uh, what, what was your what was your reaction? I was um, I was frustrated, man. You know, because um, yesterday we see the partnership in the midfield of Guido and Uribe, and you know it worked out pretty good. You know, this is something that I want to see throughout the tournament, possibly in a champions champions. League too, if if um both of them decide uh, if Miguel had has them both play in Champions League too, and it's just so great too that midfield and you know I was loving it they're tearing it up too and it's just it just sucks now to see it have to wait two weeks to see that midfield mid, that midfield again. Yeah, yeah, it's frustrating. Um, I think they they worked very well. I think uh, you know the team looked fatigued at the end of the at the end at the end of the match, but for the most part, I think that partnership worked really well. Like you said, I mean, you know, we really haven't had a partnership like that in quite a while. So I mean, to be able to see something flourish like that and now see kind of like a halt on it, it 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 doesn't bring you any more joy than than the red card. So, um. Yeah, I mean, that pretty much sucks, but I mean, I guess, what are you going to do, right? I mean, the commission, you know, the border commission for the referees have, you know, they decided that the sanction is going to go through. America's, uh, Matias Uribe is going to have to face that one-match band. Um, now, you know, they raise questions as to who's going to fl- who's gonna fit in that role, um, which we'll go into a little bit uh, in, in just a second. Um, but like I said, uh, you know, the game, the game ends. Uh, it's a no-nil result. America, though, look really fatigued towards the end of the match uh, after that red card. What do you think is going on? Are we not doing enough physical work during the week? What's going on that these players just look constantly tired, um, you know, now for a second week in a row? I'm, I'm Like you said, I guess not enough physical training. I guess not enough conditioning to push these players to have the mentality and the stamina of playing the full 90 minutes that some of them um, must do because, you know, Obviously, you know, three players might not because obviously if substitution, there's three players not playing the full 90. But everybody, including the bench, should be match fit for a full 90 minutes. And because obviously you're not going to go into extra time. You know, it's a league game. You're not going to go to for the winner like that. You know, there's draws too. And so it because you don't know what these players are actually doing on the training ground or what Miguel is implying in his training. Yeah. What, what, what's going to go on too as well. And, but you know, it also, it also comes back to the ball chasing too and us not holding possession sometimes too as well. Yeah. I guess that, that doesn't work in our favor either. Um, I mean, what do you, I, I don't know. I, I mean, what's going on exactly. Uh, but it's, it's playing a key role in the fact that we cannot close out a game, uh, which is worrying me the most. I mean, you know, perfect example was last week. Now against Patru against Pumas, if we kind of were a little bit more fit, if we were a little bit more smarter, we could have maybe walked out with a win. Um, we weren't able to do so. 
Uh, at the end of the day, you know, referee blows the, wind, blows the whistle after 90 minutes. America leaves uh, uh, Pumas' stadium with a draw with a point. Um, reasonable, I mean, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it, it is because it could have gone either way, in my opinion. If if either team had their shooting boots on, you know, it could have gone either way. It, so if I was to tell you, if I, before the start of the season, America's walking out with five points out of nine, would you have taken that? Knowing the rivals that we were going to have, knowing the away trips we were going to have, because we did have a tough start. Queretaro away, not an easy matchup by any means. Pachuca at home, we've always struggled against them for some reason. And Pumas away, which of course is a tough, tough venue to go and get away, uh, get three points. So knowing that, would you have still been satisfied to if I would have told you at the beginning of the season we're gonna walk away with five points? Would you have been happy? Yeah, I think so. I would have been happy because um I knew I knew the team can get get the job done into getting um but you know and and I kind of probably would have had mixed feelings about it too because it is a short a short tournament and at being early still in the tournament, it seems like every point matters at this point. And you can't really afford to drop points, and so it kind of makes you think. Um, well, are as to say, Pachuca last week are those two points that we dropped? Are those points going to be a necessary outcome in us possibly making the Liguilla this this tournament? Let's hope not. Um, <laughs> let's hope not. Uh, I think yeah, you, you make a good sense that you know it's a short tournament, and you know the you know you always want to start off good, uh, regardless of what the competition is. Uh, but I think we've seen teams like Tigres, who may not have the best start, kind of, you know, shine towards the end of the season and kind of make the Liga and, you know, walk away with some championships. What do you think? You, you, I mean, obviously, I'm not saying should we copy Tigres in a sense, but, uh, you know, we, we don't have the brightest start. We do have a decent start. I think it's a pretty decent start. Um, you would, you're optimistic for 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 a better closing of the of the season than a better opening. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, like you said, I'm still, I'm still, kind of, I'm having mixed feelings. You know, it, they're good, they're good results overall. Maybe not the Pachuca result as much, but you know, um, what we needed, you know, especially after going into the Liga and not having making any goals, you know, kind of seemed like everything was going downhill towards the end too as well. And, you know, that's what I'm hoping for the most is just a, a better finish to this tournament than there was last one. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so we'll close out our thoughts um, with this. Uh, I know you said some of the substitutions were a little late on your end. Uh, I, I believe so, too. I think Mioko kind of diddled that out with some of the substitutions and kind of, you know, gave his team a little bit more leniency than he should have. Um, what do you think? Uh, here's a question for you. I know, I know we didn't have him on the bench, but if you think that if Pio Herrera was to bring on the likes of Jeremy Menes, would he have impacted the game maybe in a way that maybe that one couldn't or that one couldn't? And would he have scored? It's kind of it's kind of hard to say because you know it's something it's a new. Atmosphere for German and it's a new league. It's it's different players, you know. I mean, but obviously, you know, you whenever he was playing, you know, he was playing with people from like Portugal, you know, possibly Spain, you know, and other countries, European countries. But now he's playing with people that are, you know, from Central America, 
South America. And so, you know, it, he's exposed to a different style of football than he was whenever he was playing in Paris and in Turkey. And so, you know, I could kind of see – I could see him scoring a goal, but, you know, at the same time, you know, how much knowledge of the game of the other game in Mexico does he have? You know, how much does he know? And, you know, how good is his chemistry with the team already at this point? That's true. That's true. I, I'm going to be straight out honest. I don't think he would have scored because uh, Jeremy Menace is not the player to take the ball of the, uh, from the center mid and just kind of run a defender, take everyone on and score a goal. I think Jer- this Jeremy Menace that we're going to see is going to be Jeremy Menace that is going to try to play off the shoulder of defenders. Uh, he will receive the ball and he will pass it, but I don't think he would have broken uh, you know, Puma's defense or anything. I think he would have wanted a little bit more reception, a little bit more play off, off his teammates, which, let's face it, at that point, America wasn't really giving much to the attacking side anymore. So I think for the most part, if we were to bring on the likes of Jeremy Menace, I don't think the result would have changed. I think it would have still been a nil-nil. Um, but who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. Hopefully I am wrong because this man has uh, big expectations to fill. So I hope he I'm pretty sure he's aware and he's understanding of it. Um, but hopefully, you know, once it comes down to it, he he proves every you know, every single one of those people that are doubting him uh wrong and, and, and can definitely tear the league up. So, you know, um we'll end it at that. The classical Capitolino ends in a nil-nil draw result. Uh, it's a point, I think a very good point. I think if you would have told me that if uh if you if I could have taken a point away from Pumas. I would have said yes right away because, of course, it's a very difficult side uh, and it's a very, very difficult stadium to go into. Uh, but shout out to every single one of those uh, Americanistas and Pumas that uh, fans that went to the stadium, kept it clean, kept it non-violent for, I think it was the first time after, what, 15 years, I think they said that America was able to go on their official bus to the stadium without it getting pulled, uh, without it getting, you know, thrown at by you know rocks and stuff like that so uh, great shout out to every single one of those people who made the game more of an enjoyable atmosphere if you went to the stadium i know that's you know what every single team wants at the end of the day it's uh it's a spectacle for the family and really it shouldn't be taken to those limits so you know huge huge shout out to every single one of those people that kind of you know kept it clean and kept it healthy so for the most part i make it walks away with a result that you know looms to be not great but who knows maybe throughout the season we'll see that it's actually a pretty good result so nil nil uh like i said we are uh one and two without any losses so we're still undefeated at this point uh you know a one win two draws uh you know two clean sheets too let's let's keep that in mind so if we're trying to be a little bit optimistic here i think there's plenty of things that we can take away um, obviously what looms most is the fact that we couldn't get a result against Pachuca, but we got we get to redeem ourselves against Atlas this upcoming weekend on Saturday. But before we jump in to that Atlas review, uh, let's just quickly, briefly talk transfer talk as the January transfer window has yet to close. It does close on the 31st of January. Uh, it looks like America's almost ready to say goodbye to Silvio Romero. It looks like, uh, Independiente. Are lining it up. I think I read uh, that uh, Independiente came out and said that yes, they have reached an agreement with America. Now the only thing that they needed to do was reach uh, an agreement with the agent of Silvio Romero. Um, is this news to you, or or have you have you seen this already? Yeah, I've seen this. You know, I'm just excited for him to go already. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's that's bad, <laughs> but 
a new adventure for him. You know, so somewhere probably where he won't have so much expectation on him and him to underperform. Yeah, I think uh, like I, you know, like we were talking previously to the podcast. There's a lot of names that have come to this club and haven't been able to fill the gaps of you know people that have come before them and and, and done wonderful things. Um, so I mean, you know, Silver Romero, you know, while most people wanted him to have this bright career in America, he just couldn't do it. Um, like you said, you know, excited for an elite. I know it sounds horrible. We, we're not trying to portray that we hate the man or anything. And the guy looks like an absolute gentleman. I mean, he knows that he's leaving the club, yet he's established a business in Mexico. It's a restaurant. And he invites over Miguel Herrera and his, uh, and his staff to go and eat at his restaurant, serves them, treats them uh, very, very well. Uh, just kind of shows you the type of man he is. And it, it, when he does go, we do wish him the best and hopefully finds his rhythm back over there in Argentina. Um, you, you, what do you think? That's, that's got to be an awkward dinner, right? I mean, one of your players are trying to get rid of him, but yet he's over here inviting you to his restaurant? I don't know. I think there's most Hispanics or Latinos, you know, just the respect, you know, and just like – the way you want to be treated and treating people good, you know, like, I guess that's because how, how I was raised, you know, you just always treat people good and you just show respect and you receive respect, you know, always respecting my family. And so, you know, um, there's him showing his sign, sign of respect, you know, just, just, you know, try not to be awkward about it, you know. Oh, but I mean, you can't help but be awkward about it. I mean, the man's trying to sell you and you're over here treating him out to a freaking nice dinner. I mean, I mean, but I mean, granted, Silver Romero, he's not salty or anything about the situation. I think he knows what's best for him at the moment is to go and play somewhere else. I mean, you see the likes of Ibarwe and you see the likes of Menes, you see the likes of this kid, Henry Martin. I mean, you know, you get a little bit discouraged if you think this is going to be, you know, uh, you're going to be here for another six, six months. I don't know how much his contract was for. I think he still had a couple more years left. I mean, so I, I think. You know, he sees this as a window of an opportunity, and hopefully, he takes it with a you know with a very good, open heart. Like it looks like he is, and you know, um, yeah, nothing else to say. But I mean, what a great guy to be able to you know host uh you know the team manager that is willing to sell you. I I think it speaks a lot about his character, and uh, you know, unfortunately, we didn't get to see that Silvio Romero on the pitch all the time. But you know, hopefully, wherever he does go, he does find himself. Uh, you know you know, banging in more goals and, and you know, just being a better silver medal at the end. Yeah, big Chino medal going off to what that's his um that's in uh, Argentina, right? His yeah, home country. Yeah. Going uh going back home. Going back home after just establishing a business in Mexico. <laughs> Gee. Oh I, man, that's crazy. Well, we wish him the best of luck, um Silver Romero. Uh you know, maybe in another lifetime. Maybe in another lifetime. Uh, that's pretty much it. That's the only news that we have in regards to people leaving. Uh, in regards to people coming, it's been very quiet yet. Uh, Miguel Herrera was asked uh, in uh, his press conference after the game uh, whether or not he was going to still try to find that extra striker to bring to the club. Uh, he said, uh, basically, you know, as long as the window is open and as long as the options are there, we're going to look for them. And, you know, whether or not they fall, uh, that's a whole different story. So it looks like maybe Miguel Herrera and, you know, America are still looking at possible options. Um, what are your thoughts that America is still out there looking? You think that's good? You think maybe they should focus on, you know, the team? Or, 
uh, do we need an extra player? Um, I think I think kind of both, you know, you know, because me and you always talked about, you know, a little bit of a rotation since we're going into Champions League too, and you know, it's a it's a greater travel because isn't um isn't the team that we're playing in Panama, Costa Rica? Costa Rica, I, I can't remember. Costa Rica. Yeah, okay. So I mean, you know, obviously it's a, it's a greater travel, you know, and so you're going to have to have players who are can play week in and week out to a certain extent some players and you're going to have to have the players that are either going to league or come off the bench, you know, in the tournament or vice versa. And so, you know, I I wouldn't I wouldn't mind that extra player just in case, but you know, I feel like we should still be focusing on the squad a little more because you, you see you see the mistakes and the errors, you know, that, that we've seen in these past three games that, that we need to fix, especially when it comes to fitness. You know, I've seen the team, you know, getting getting a little more fatigued, whether that be not having enough conditioning drills and training or ball chasing a little more actual games. And so I feel like that would help us more in the long run too as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, crazy rumors, of course, coming out that, you know, that America was going for Chicharito Hernandez. I mean, if this was to go through, which I doubt, I highly doubt it is going to go through, but uh, if Chicharito was to put on an America jersey, what do you, what, what would your thoughts be? Uh, I don't, I don't know. That'd be kind of weird because he came from the, she was from Chivas and like, you know, I just feel like he just like backstabbing a lot of fans and like I don't know, like I mean I like the guy, but it'd just be too weird to see him in a Medica jersey. I mean, yeah, he's the poster boy of, of Guadalajara. Uh, yeah. but I mean it's it's not the craziest thing to happen. We've seen it before in, in Liga Max history. Uh Chivas players have come to America to play. Um, vice versa, America players have gone to go play. I mean, I'll give you a perfect example. Our ex president Ricardo Pelaez was an America player. Born in the cantera, you could say, quote unquote, um, goes out, you know, has has his career in America, then goes off and plays for Chivas. I mean, you know, it's like it, it's like you know, it, it happens. You know, it's football at the end of the day. It's crazy. Um, so I mean, it's it it happened before, but I mean, this one would really really be weird. It, it'd be like Guatemala Blanco going to play for Chivas, like. There'd just be chaos in the streets. Like you just know something would be off if Chicharito was to was to sign for America, uh, which I doubt will happen. I doubt will happen. Uh, but I, I thought that was pretty funny that that the, that the tabos actually weren't running with that. Yeah, man, that's crazy. You know, pretty sure you're just gonna stay at West Ham at this point. Yeah, yeah. Well, poor Chicharito. I mean, his, his his that's a discussion for for another time. I know the Mexican soccer show had a little bit of a of an addition of, of what was going on with him. So hopefully he can find himself in its obviously World Cup just around the corner. And as you guys know, we do cover a little bit of L3. So, uh, you know, it, it actually benefits us if Chicharito is playing and actually doing well because, of course, we support the national team like, uh, you know, like a lot of people do. So, you know, hopefully he can actually find himself in good form. But I think besides that, going back to the America transfer rumor talk um is there really anyone at the point that you you're like okay you know we had three games what is there anyone or any position that you would like a player to come and kind of fill 
No, I'm, I don't have nobody, you know. Just uh, this has only been a striker um, on the radar, and I don't really see a need for um, feeling anything at the moment unless uh, we're talking about the left back, but obviously there's no, been nobody on the radar that can feel the left back position, and I feel like Carlos Vargas has been doing an exceptional job there. We didn't really speak about him. Carlos Vargas did, uh, had another really good game. Like, I mean, you know, the kids flying a little bit under the radar for, for some people, but, man, has he stepped up to the plate. Yeah, he he really has, and it's been it's been quite surprising too, knowing that he is also playing a, can also play a center back role, and you know he's not used to playing a left back role, but he has really stepped up, and he he could be one of those versatile players that we can also use, um, not only for America, but also on the national team too as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously, we'll talk a little bit more about the national team a little bit later on in the podcast, and we'll definitely mention again Carlos Vargas's name. Um, but I think, yeah, we'll leave it at that. No real player can come in. There's only one player in one position I would like to see happen. Uh, I'm not really feeling the defense. I think Bruno Valdez is good. I don't think Aguilera has been so solid for my liking. Um, so if anyone was going to bring in any other player, I would want them to bring in a strong center back. And there's only one player that really fits that category for me, and that's Hector Moreno. Yes, that's what I was going to say, too. Yeah, there you go. I mean, the guy's not playing that much either in Roma, and it's kind of upsetting. You know, he was um, joining the club. The club was excited to have him, and then the coach don't even want to play him. Yeah. Anyway, I think that goes falls more into the manager. Um I mean, look at what happened. When Choa went to Malaga, everyone was losing their mind. They're like, oh, my God, we got a Choa. He had a great, uh, an amazing World Cup, blah, blah, blah. And then the coaches don't want to play. I mean, you know, so, you know, you got to feel for the guy, poor guy. So, Santiago Baños, I know you listen to this. Get Hector Moreno on that contract. Let's make it happen because a better defense, wow, what a defense that would be. I mean, you would have such a versatile bench with – you know, you know, center backs rotating, having all these different partnerships. I think it would be great. Uh, so, America, please make it happen. We would like to see Hector Moreno. So, yeah, pretty much it. That's pretty much all I have about the transfer uh, talk. Anything else you want to add on? No, I don't got nothing else to add. All righty. Okay. So, uh, let's talk uh, Jornada 3. Oh, excuse me. Jornada 4. We just finished talking about the Jornada 3. We have Atlas at home. Obviously, a pretty, pretty big game for us. It's a game where Mecca needs all three points. We're at home. We're up against our fans. And most importantly, we need to bounce back from, you know, a hesitant start. So, uh, this game's gonna be played at night. It's gonna be played at seven o'clock your time. I'm um, no my time, nine o'clock your time. Obviously, we're going back to the regular schedule. Um, obviously, the big news could be that we could see a certain Frenchman step on the pitch and make his debut for the Sagas in America. So, hopefully, we get to see Jeremy Menes make the start. Um, so let's just break down and let's see what uh, what we can expect from this. Let's uh, let's talk lineups. What do you think the lineup is gonna be for America coming up against Atlas? Um, I'm gonna obviously match the scene in goal. Um, you know, it's kind of up in the air, you know, if I get out of play, you know, I'd want him to start in that right back position, but I've seen today through the Blue America um 
official Twitter page that he was actually training um separate from the team. He was training with mm-hmm. the trainers still at today. Yeah. And so, you know, um obviously his status for the game is kind of uncertain at the moment. You know, so you know, just to be safe, you know, I would um I would actually just say go ahead and put Edson in that right back position. You know, and then we'll go Aileta Valdez, Carlos Vargas again. Renato Ibarra. Um Guido. Uh I'd like to see Joe Corona start back to Guido. And then you know, it's kind of it's kind of hard to debate between Cecilio and uh Darwin Quintero at the moment. You know, but I'd kinda like to see Cecilio start again. You know, he had a pretty average game like we talked about too. So I'd like to see Cecilio and then obviously um Henry and uh Okay, strong lineup, 4-4-2. I'm going to go with the same formation as you. I'm going Marchenko. Uh, right back position. This is where it gets tricky. I want to say Paolo Aguilar is going to be fit and ready to go. But because I've been wrong before on the podcast before about my lineups, I'm going to go with a little bit more safer bet. But it's still a wild wild card here. Uh, I see Carlos Orrentia starting at right back. Center back is going to be Aguilera and Bruno Valdez. Left back, of course, Carlos Vargas. In the, in the center mid, uh, we're going to see the likes of Guido Rodriguez and Edson Alvarez in a role that he's more comfortable with. Uh, right back, of course, Renato Ibarra. Left mid is going to, I mean, excuse me, right wing, Renato Ibarra. Left wing is going to be Cecilia Dominguez. And up top, we're going to see the likes of Henry Martin Oriol Peralta again. What are your thoughts when I tell you my lineup? You know, I was going to go with the same lineup you had, but, you know, I've, I kind of, like you said, it was kind of tricky, you know, and um, I haven't really seen um, um play in oh, that right back position. Yeah. Oh, or and, yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. I haven't really seen them that play that much, you know, so I, I wasn't really for sure. It was kind of up in the air with that. That's why I went with Edson and uh, Joe and Guido in the midfield too with that. But I, I, I can agree to that too, and I like that. Um, lineup too as well yeah 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 i i can see yours a little bit more viable than mine just because maybe Herrera doesn't have so much confidence in orientia to be able to put him um the only reason i would put orientia was because we're going up against atlas and atlas is, at this moment as we all know is not going through the best of times uh, so America should capitalize on this and take their opportunities and kind of go out there and just attack Atlas and get the results. Um, and maybe that's why Orontia could start because he's not going to be, you know, maybe pushed as much as, you know, to say against Pumas or something. So I, I, I could see him starting, but, you know, I think America's, I, I mean, think Piojo is going to be a little bit more cautious and say, nope, we'll put Edson Alvarez back at right back and give Joko another start. So, you know, I mean, we have the guy for, for a loan, so might as well use him as much as possible, right? So um, I think either way, um, I'm happy with either either lineup, I think would be a really good, uh, a really good start. Yeah, well, obviously um, Guido in the midfield, you know, whether it be Corona or Edson, um, next to him too as well, you know, we got to watch um, the Ravel Morris and uh, Clifford midfield too because they've been, they've been kind of tearing it up too. They've been looking good too side by side. Um, I know Ravel Morris, is uh, his passion efficiency goes up a little bit whenever he's playing next to Clifford too as well in the midfield. So it's those kind of those key players that you got to watch out for this time. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, that's always uh, as that can definitely get you on the break and that can definitely you know cause you trouble. Um, but you know, let's be honest, the team doesn't look like they're very you know scary team in a sense that's really gonna go and, and, and fight you for it. But again, I don't know why teams like to do this, but whenever America goes up against a team that is struggling, that is not doing so well, they tend to for some reason become this much, much better side overnight, which is crazy. I mean just absolutely crazy, but it happens and you know, I guess it's uh it's like that you know they're going up against America and you know they want to get one over less ideas and all that stuff. So um, still, I think America's heavy favorite for this matchup. I think they should be. I think they, the players should feel like it. And I think, uh, I think this is a very, very important game for the likes of Cecilio Dominguez to come in, uh, especially if we're going to pick him over that game. And I think, you know, Cecilio Dominguez has an opportunity to prove himself. And hopefully he does because, you know, like we said, he had a pretty good result, uh, a pretty good, decent knee performance in Pumas. It looked like things are going well for him. And if you give him a little bit more of a start, he, he definitely could be a better player than that in the sense that he can be a better winger. Um, but besides that, I think um, I think it should be a pretty fun matchup. Uh, do you expect a, a lot of goals or do you just expect a lot of opportunities? Um. It'd be kind of, and, you know, one thing, one matchup that kind of kind of um, stands up to me a little bit is going to see uh, if uh, Rafa Marquez starts, you know, uh, Rafa versus Oribe. You know, I think that'd be a pretty good matchup, you know, seeing if um, stand up to Oribe, you know, hold, um, hold him down and everything, or possibly Henry Martin too as well. And so, you know, um, I, I like to see a couple goals, you know, maybe, maybe you're having opportunities, obviously, because uh, as a medic is known, you know, you create your opportunities but can't finish them. But, you know, um, a team like this, you know, and you need the three points, you know, we're going to see some goals. That is that is true. So let's go. I mean, let's do this. Hopefully, America can definitely get uh, all three points and they can get a couple go- a couple goals. This is, a match. this is a game for the likes of Henry Martin to come back and shine. I mean, you see the opportunities that, the, that this kid has been able to create. I think... Uh, this is definitely gonna be an opportunity for Andre Martin and Cecilio Dominguez to kind of shine, and it could definitely be a game where you can see the likes of Ebor when come in and kind of just run at defenders and see what this, this guy's made of. Um, so obviously, the, what everyone's expecting us to talk about is will Jeremy Menez make his debut against Atlas? Uh, what are your thoughts? What do you think? Because Santiago Baños may, uh, I think, gave a declaration saying that he looks good. He looks like he's almost ready yet. It looks like he's still having a little bit of a difficulty getting adjusted to the to the high altitude, to the small, to everything, and uh, may not see action until the game against Lobos Bob, which is uh, in in the following game after Atlas. What are your What are your thoughts? Yeah, I'd like to see him play. You know, this is this is one of the players that you know when I first started watching soccer. This is one of the players that stood out to me most was Jeremy Menes, and so it's not it's not every day, every weekend, week out that I would get to see this guy play. And so I'm excited for him to make his debut, and I, I hope he makes his debut um, against Atlas. You know, I just hope that we get headed and makes the proper sub. You know, he takes out the player that uh, and put Jeremy Menes in the position for him to perform that the best he can. Who do you want to see come out of that game and give uh, the Frenchman his uh, his opportunity? If Cecilio's not performing, man, I'd like to see Cecilio come out. 
really. I'd like to see Cecil come out if he's not performing, but for Ibarwe, um, I wouldn't be hesitant to say that maybe him and Martin can get off uh, like around the 65th, 70th minute and give Jeremy Menes the opportunity. Um, but I think it all points to the fact that it looks like he is not going to start at all. I think it's fair to say, right, Jeremy Menes? I think it is, it's not going to be started at all. Yeah, we'll, we'll just come to see, too, you know, who's who's performing, who's not performing, you know, and if, you know, um, this past week, you know, like we like I said, we got ahead of the make subs properly, and if Miguel Hermeta can make this up properly this week. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. Uh, I uh, Of course, as more news comes by, we'll let every single one of you guys know. We'll keep you guys updated. Like I said, follow us on Twitter. We will definitely get you guys updated with everything uh, that's happening with Las Aguilas de la América, of course, uh, whether or not Jeremy Menes will make the bench, whether he might even have an opportunity to even make the starting lineup, which I think is is very doubtful. But, you know, you, know, you never know. Crazier things have happened. Uh, I think we're hoping for the best result as possible. What do you think America has to do good in order to perform against uh, a side like Atlas, who, let's face it, like I said, is not having the best of seasons? You know, like we covered E2, you know, we didn't see nothing in the Pumas game, you know, goals, you know, finish our chances, bring our shooting boots to the game, and we'll obviously win this game, you know, because we, we seem to have – um, a pretty consistent back line, you know, too. Macho team making some good saves, too, as well. You know, is whether we're going to have the opportunities to actually score and put it in the back of the net this game. Yeah, yeah, shooting boots. Um, I think we've done everything right up to that point. Like I said, in the final third, I think our decision-making needs to get better. And uh, what better time than to play it out against Atlas, get better at it. So, you know, within a couple of other games, America can get better. Um, if you look at the lineup of matches coming up against for America, these next two matches are crucial. These are not guaranteed six points, but these are very, very good options for us to get six points because we're both, uh, these both games, we are at home and we're both, and we're playing against two sides that, let's face it, they're struggling at the moment and that if America can capitalize it, you could see America skyrocket from five points to 11 points, which is absolutely huge within the time frame of two weeks. Um, are you, I, you know, you're looking, like I mentioned to you, you know, you look at the start we had and now you see these two matchups. Are you optimistic for, for a better result and, and for, a better, for a better America standing in the table? Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm definitely optimistic for a better result and it's what we need are better results because um, to me, the season's already going by super fast, you know, and before we know, you know, we're playing uh, Toluca in week 12 and, you know, yeah. It's, it's, it's just going by fast. And like I said, it's a short tournament. So it's not like you have um, up until May to make up those points. You know, you, you, need, you need the maximum points that you can get right now. And this is the best op- – these next two weeks are the best opportunity to get um, three points, or a full six um, six points over the two weeks. Definitely, definitely. Um, you know, I think Amelia got some of the heavy lifting out of the way with those three matchups. Then, you know, we're going up against these two teams who are relatively not doing as well as uh, they have before. So America has the opportunity to make this six points. Uh, I think, like we said, America's been doing things right. Defensively, they look uh, they look good and secure at the moment. Uh, in the midfield, I think it's where we need to hold the ball a little bit more. We need to be less sloppy. Hopefully, they've been working on that throughout the week. And I think really at the end of the day, it's our final third decision-making that needs to improve. I think if America can definitely start off the games the way they started off against 
Querétaro, against Pachuca and against Pumas, in where they started off going, you know, very aggressively going against, uh, going towards the opponent's goal and just kind of moving and pushing forward. And you see in America that's very hungry for it, then we can definitely hopefully get a early goal, which then means we can dictate the play from there and kind of run it how we want it to go. Uh, hopefully they can do so. Hopefully, you know, Pio Herrera plans for that. And hopefully at the end of the day, next week on Tuesday, we're sitting here talking about a good America performance and uh, why we should be optimistic about the rest of the season and hopefully a cheeky man's goal. Definitely, man. You know, just a good a good performance over two weeks. And, you know, you have to have those two performances because after that you have Titus. And so, you know, you're going to have – you're going to want – as good a performance as you can going into that game. Yeah, yeah. That is going to be a tough game because we are going to the Volcan. Another stadium in which America always finds it difficult to get a result, but that's two weeks out, and we can definitely talk about that coming up in the next uh, podcast. So final result for this, what are you predicting? Uh, 2-0 win. 2-0 win, all right. I will up that and say 3-0. I'm optimistic. Gotta be right. You heard it here first, guys. You heard it here first. Heard it here first. And if Jerry Manis comes in, he's gonna score a penalty. Okay. Yeah, I like that. I like that penalty. Yeah. You gotta draw the penalty too. <laughs> yeah, I mean <laughs> we need someone. We need someone to I mean Rayados at this moment is probably taking the limelight for not m- making penalties, but you look at our stats and it's not looking good. It's not looking good whatsoever. We need someone. Um, obviously, Miguel Herrera wants Mateo Solibes to be the penalty kick taker. He's not going to be for this one. Um, just a quick note, now that I mentioned Mateo Solibes, do you think America's, uh, is America going to miss the Colombian? I think so. I think so, yeah. Cause like like I mentioned, you know, like the uh, Oribe partnership in the midfield, you know, is it's good and it can get better, um, you know, as long as they're working together and stuff like that. But also, I think, you know, if, if uh, your predicted um, lineup works too, I don't see why Ed, the Edson and Guido um, not work out too well. I, I think it's going to be good as two. Yeah, yeah, and that's a partnership that uh, has been flourishing for a little while now, since the beginning of, of the Apertura, and then now up to this. Hopefully, we can see those two link up well. Um, a quick note on that partnership: I think it works so well because Guido gives Matias Uribe the liberty to push forward without really compromising his position. You see a Guido who kind of sits a little bit deeper and it just works perfectly because he's able to cover some gaps in you know in a good amount of time and he's able to give that liberty to Matias Uribe. So yeah, I think we're gonna miss him. I think we're gonna miss him a little bit if things don't go our way. But uh, you know, hopefully everyone else is optimistic as us and and is hoping for a good performance, just like we all think uh, will happen. And uh, yeah, let's go, America. Let's get those three points. Let's get a convincing result. And you know, at the end of the day, uh, we'll we'll be uh, we'll be two very happy Americanistas talking about that in next week next week's podcast. Yeah, yeah, man. Let's, let's go get those three points. All that matters. Three points at this moment. Yeah, at this point, that's all that matters. So there is your preview for the Jornada 4 against uh, Atlas. It should be an interesting matchup. Uh, game, like I said, is scheduled at 7 p.m. Pacific time, 9 p.m. Central time. I believe it's going to be broadcasted through Univision. Uh should be an interesting one. Of course, we're at home at the Estadio Azteca. Um, yeah, all I can say is really uh, America is going to have the crowd 
you know, there for them, for the support. Now it's just for time for the players to deliver and actually go for it. So hopefully we can get the result that we are looking for. So, um, yeah, that pretty much sums it up for the review. Um, usually this is where we kind of close it off, but we're going to stretch a little bit further here because we have L3 news. And like I mentioned, we are also covering L3 uh, whenever we get the chance to, whenever the call-ups, whenever the international breaks happen, and, of course, the big one, the World Cup this year. So um, news just came out. Uh, Juan Carlos Osorio uh, has decided to call up the MLS boys uh, for this friendly matchup against Bosnia. So three slots that are going to be taken by these three players. A couple of backlash from a couple of people on Twitter saying that they did not want to see these players get called up. What are your thoughts about seeing the likes of the Dos Santos brother and Vela getting called up for this? Um, I just didn't really like the Giovanni call up, you know. I don't think he's been performing. Obviously, he hasn't been performing the way we've seen Giovanni perform before, and it hasn't gotten any better with the Galaxy. You know, I like the Vela, I like the Jonathan call up. You know, those are those are basically to me is that have made a difference in the lineup for L three, and still possibly could. It's just it's just a rather time whether you know how how well they play whenever they play Bosnia too as well. I think the most surprising part about this is the people that are actually complaining about this because it was no secret that these people, that these players are going to get called up by Juan Carlos Osorio. They are, they're not getting any playtime. Yes, they're getting a little bit of training here and there with their team, but they're not getting physical playtime. Um, it should be interesting to note that, you know, these players have gone what now? Roughly, wow. Let's see. Giovanni Santos and Julian Santos stopped playing what around November. So they've all they've gone almost three months without seeing any game time on the pitch, um, which is another thing to note. That I mean, Juan Carlos Osorio, if he's really taking these pe- these players into consideration, he's gonna want them to play with the squad. Um, I know some people are saying that these are three slots that could be used to see other players. Um, what do you think? Do you think there's anyone else? Do you think because of these three players getting called up that there might be, you know, three other players that maybe lose their opportunity because of these, because of these call-ups? I think so. And, you know, there's, to me, three players I can't point out because um, this call-up is important to them three because if you've seen if you've seen past call ups when it came to World Cup qualifiers and to the European games too, whenever you played Poland and Belgium, these guys were in the lineup. These guys, this, basically, to me, the final two World Cup qualifying games and the two European games whenever you played Belgium and Poland, to me, were the rough draft that Juan Carlos Osorio was given to us, saying, "Okay, this is a rough draft for some of the players I'm going to take." to Russia with me. And those three players have consistently been in the World Cup qualifying games and also in those in those two uh, European games too as well. And so it's important that these guys play the national team at the moment because even though they're not getting playing time with the respective teams, because obviously the MLS season doesn't start until about March, it's important that these guys still show that they got something. And I hope I really hope they prove a lot of people wrong and come out and have good performances. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, it, it always looked like these three were our favorites for Juan Carlos Osorio. Um, a lot of people may be skeptical about Giovanni Los Santos. Um, at this point, he doesn't look like to be the Giovanni Santos 
of even last year. Something's happened. Hopefully, we can find his form. Hopefully, we can find the Giovanni Santos that we all want. Um, but I think it was always said to say that, I mean, safe to say that it was always going to be, uh, it was always going to be a Carlos Vela and Jonathan Dos Santos in this call-up. Giovanni Santos was always in the air. At this point, I think Juan Carlos Soto just wants him there because of his experience, because he gives you that opportunity that he could shine on the given day, um, which should be interesting. Of course, the official roster for this friendly is going to be, bring, uh, is going to be, uh, put out on Thursday. Um, Couple of names that some people are throwing around, the likes of you know Edson Alvarez getting called up there, Oria Parata. Uh, obviously, this all has to be mostly Liga MX players because you know it's not a Europe, it's it's not a fecha FIFA, so it's it's there's no way that the European teams are going to let some of the players go. Um, who is uh, a player? Uh, give me two players at this moment that you would want to see get called up that wouldn't necessarily get called up if this was a Fecha FIFA? Um, Jonathan Gonzalez would be my first one. And I'd like to see Hugo Gonzalez, too. Hugo Gonzalez? Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Give me another play because I think Jonathan Santos is still trying to work out his FIFA arrangement thing. And, uh, it's still kind of in the air whether or not he'll be able to get called up. Um, so besides Jonathan Gonzalez, who who else? Hmm. Um, you already said Edson, so I can't say Edson. Obviously, um, gosh, kind of my mind's kind of slipping in players at the moment. <laughs> All right, well, I'll give I'll give two shout outs to our boys. I want to see Henry Martin and Carlos Vargas get called up. I okay, see- yeah, I, I was kind of debating on Vargas, but I was like, I don't know. I want to see him. He's been rapping good. Um, I mean, he's got three three solid games in Clausura. Let's not forget he was called up to action in the Liga. He had a really good performance. So yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, he really did. Yeah. Let's, I want to show this kid some love because he's actually been doing absolutely great for us. So let's let's give this kid the opportunity. I, I want to see him. You know, I, I like I like Hugo Gonzalez call up too. He hasn't had a cap from Mexico. I think he's definitely merited it after everything he's done with Monterrey. So, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm excited for this matchup. I know, really, it's just a friendly. It shouldn't be much, and especially since yeah, Mekis players, some of these players are fighting for the opportunity to be in the World Cup. But I think this is a Mexico team that we are going to be able to see in Edson Alvarez have more of an important role, which is exciting to me. Yeah, no, no. I think, yeah, Edson's, Edson's there. You know, Edson could possibly be going to the World Cup too. And, you know, that's, that's great for him. That's great for... um. Uh, fan base too, knowing that they're having a player besides Oriva going to the World Cup. You know, Edson. You know, Edson came um, into the league. You know, storming seemed like to me. You know, he came in and did it with ease. You know, this this is a guy that has been consistently been performing, and you know, everybody's loving this guy. And you know, why wouldn't you want him with the national team? Definitely. You know what the sad part is? We didn't even mention Paul Aguilar. You know, that is true. You know, it's just, I mean, I just don't know what it is with Juan Carlos Osorio not wanting Barguilar. Not just Barguilar, but just natural wing, uh, fullbacks. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, it, it, it's a strange. You know, it just seems like he keeps going with a, a back line of center backs, you know, all the way across, you know, and it's it's just weird yeah. not, not seeing him play with the, with the true fullback, you know, besides the like of maybe um, Layun, you know, because, you know, Marco um, Lasario loves Layun. And so, you know, obviously Layun's going to get called up, I think, no matter what. People Where love like you. Yeah, uh, Lewandowski, as uh, uh, Naib says, Na- uh, <laughs> <laughs> Lewandowski. And it's, but it's just weird not to see him play with somebody who who truly plays the right back position. You know, we've seen Edson play there, we've seen Carlos uh, Salcedo play there, and you know a, a few other players. You know, maybe uh, Chaka, but Chaka, Chaka can Chaka's versatile. Rodriguez too plays Tigres. You know, but it's, you know, I don't well, I don't know what his thinking is. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, well, I, I, who knows? We wonder we'll get an answer from that. But um, Juan Carlos Osorio will make his final roster call uh, this Thursday. We'll get to see. Uh, but we'll, we'll definitely play. Co- we'll pay close attention. We'll have a reaction for that uh, for that lineup and for that game, uh, which is scheduled to be on the thirty first, which I believe is a uh, Wednesday. Yes. Uh, so does that mean that the league is taking a week off? I haven't checked that. I don't. I don't think so. To be honest, because if they don't, then that's that's come on. I mean, give us. Oh my gosh. I mean, I'm, I'm checking real quickly here. Um. Da-da-da-da. No, they're no, they're not. They're not taking a break. No, because uh, the game against Atlas is the 27th. And then obviously the the Mexico game against Bosnia is the thirty first as on Wednesday, and then you know the following Saturday wow. is, is the third. So you know they're they're still playing. That is wow. We're, we're, we're definitely gonna have a very interesting show next Tuesday, ladies and gentlemen. Are you guys tune in. We're gonna be talking how America can cope with the fact Juan Carlos Espirito has taken about three or four of their players, and we're gonna have to cope with that. That should be interesting. Wow, I really thought they were going to put the league in pause, but I guess not. Um, wow, that's a little bit frustrating. Um, but I guess, you know, it's a couple of years. You got to cope with that, right? Um, I guess we'll, 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 we'll figure out what, what America's next step would be for that, for the next episode. But um, another quick note on the on the Mexican national team. We're going to talk about the minis now. Uh, just uh, released a call up for a concentrate uh, for for a camp, uh, where where they called up a couple of youngsters. Diego Linus makes the call, um, so Diego Linus is going to be training with the Mexican national team under twenties, uh, which I think pretty much means that you know he's going to be in concentration with them. So it doesn't even look like he's going to be able to play this game against the uh, Atlas. Yeah, but it, it's good for him, you know. Um, I've told you too, you know. Despite you know Edson not being, I'm um, not Edson. Uh, Diolana is not being able to um, get first team minutes. You know, he's still content with him being able to play. You know, that that's what the kid wants to do. Um, he wants to play. He wants to play week in and week out. The whether it be with um, or with the senior team, and you know, he's not letting it face him. So this is good for him. Um, being able to uh, to work out with um with uh, the U twenties of the Mexican national team. Yeah, hey, maybe you can get a call up uh, to the America team uh, when we do play against Lobos. We'll be short sure a couple of players. Could be interesting to see Diego Lainez come in for that game. Um, 
So that's pretty much it. Uh, make sure you guys stay tuned to our, our Twitter. I cannot stress that enough. We're on Twitter. Uh, we'll keep you guys updated with the most recent news. Uh, we love our interaction with every single one of you guys who do interact with us. Um, so make sure you guys follow us. We'll have you guys updated on everything that happens on there. Um, let's see. Just That's kind of much it. We're going to end that uh, national team talk right there. Uh, we'll get into more of a discussion once uh, the squad comes up, uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll talk to you exactly. Maybe we can do like a mini short podcast where we can talk uh, everything, you know, Liga Mekis in regards to this call-up and what we think the lineup could be and what we think the story is going to try to experiment. But for the most part, we're going to leave it at that. We think, uh, you know, it's, it's it, what was expected for, for the MLS Bulls to make it into the roster. Uh, now we'll, we'll wait and see exactly uh, who are the other players joining them to play against Bosnia in the United States? So um, we're almost wrapping it up with a podcast here. We do have a very, very interesting topic that we're going to talk about, um, and this uh, has to regard with Las Aguilas in America. The idol, when you think about America, there is pretty much only one person that comes up to mind everywhere across each platform. And when you think Americanista and you think idol, you think Cuauhtémoc Blanco. Uh, we were talking about Cuauhtémoc Blanco last uh, last podcast. Uh, we, it kind of slipped our mind that his birthday was the next day. Uh, we did give him a little shout-out on our uh, Twitter page. Uh, then Cuauhtémoc Blanco goes on uh, La Última Palabra on uh, Fox Deportes. Uh, if you guys caught it, then you guys know exactly what we're going to be talking about. Um I told you that he was on there, and I, and I told you to watch uh, the video of him on there. Um, I'm, I'm going to run through, and I'm going to talk, and then I just want to get your reaction on a couple of stuff that he pointed out. Um, just because I think this this is our, you know, this is kind of like, you know, quote unquote, like our LeBron James in a sense that you know what he says tends to go, and. Uh, I was just interested by a couple of things that he said and mentioned because I think some Americanistas at this point would feel differently. So let me just kick things off and say, and let's start off by what he uh, what he said was he pointed out that he did not like how this Pio Herrera America team was going. He thinks that his first spell at America was wonderful, was great. Yeah, his second spell doesn't seem to be the best. He doesn't like how America is playing. He thinks that America has too many foreign players, and he thinks that there's uh that there is not enough love in the cantera. So, what do you think when Cotomo Blanco says that he doesn't like how America is playing? That he thinks there's too many foreigners. What uh, what do you think? Well, I can agree to him on that. I think there's a little bit too many too much of foreigners. You know, because we can go back to what Miguel said, you know, that he wants more Mexicans on the team. And, you know, he had a, a great prospect, Diego Linus, who is now playing with the U-20s and is not playing with the senior team. And so it is it, it frustrates me to see that a little bit because it says one day, and, you know, the guy's Mexican too, you know. Um, he, I, w- I would think he would want to have um, a little bit more of a chance. And, you know, I wish he would give them the chance, you know. It, it just it just like to see and we, and we talked about that too whenever we heard the likes of Menez and Iwadwin you know come coming into the team and you know 
frustrating to see how America's playing week in and week out, especially the way the season ended. Um, and I've been doing it too, you know. Obviously, in the league, yeah, we didn't score, we didn't score any goals, or anything like that. Knocked out and de- knocked out by Adidas and stuff like that. And but people got, but people also got to say this isn't this isn't the same team. This is, these aren't the same group of players that McGahead had in his first cent compared to his cent now. Okay. Okay, understandable. I think uh, I, no. I think he makes a point. I think he makes a very valid point. I think you kind of lose a sense of what the club is if you start bringing in so many foreign players and you don't give enough youth the opportunity. Because of course, you know, America has always built itself on, you know, they're not like Chivas, where you know we're all just Mexican, but we are very proud of the t- of the players that we are able to bring through our youth ranks and promote them and make them into, you know, living idols for the fans. Um, I think he makes a point there. You bring in too many foreigners, you kind of shut the door. Um, but I think also one thing he was alluding at was the fact that maybe the club is not being run in, this, in the form that he would want it to be. Um, he, I think, you know, he said he didn't really like the fact how there was a lot of Atlante uh, people that were running the show behind closed doors. Uh, he said that you know he wanted to see a little bit more of ex-Americanistas come into the come into the club and have their say. Uh, he gave you a quick list of what he said. You know he you know uh, he wanted to see more of like a Cristobal Ortega, a Luna, a Carlos de, de los Cobos, Carlos Santos. Uh, Cecilia Santos. I mean, these these were Americanistas. That these were America players. That you know, to the fans, they mean all everything because they give everything for the club. So he wants more idols to be behind the doors. That way, you know, they can kind of stern and, and 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 you know, grow these these youth players into something grand and, and and great because they know what it's like to wear the jersey. They know what that symbol means on that shirt so you know what what are your thoughts you know do you think he makes a point there do you think that america have more ex-americanistas quote-unquote legends you know to be helping out in the way that the club is run through the youth system up to the first team yeah they they obviously need to because at this point you know you gotta ask is the liga mechies are they trying to explain globally you know and bringing in the top talent you know from outside the league and not giving um the youngsters a chance or are you going to be a mexican league and actually give you know our youth decent minutes to actually get a chance to showcase what they have and then possibly you know ship them off to europe or uh, to go and better their skills too as well because you know there's there's a there's a lot of say you know a lot of a lot of people dream of going to play in Europe because that's where that's where obviously like the top the top teams are the top leagues too as well I'm not saying like Liga Mekis isn't the top league because you know it's grown um and it and it league but at the same time well are you going to sacrifice the youth as your market and to get out there and expand yourself too as well people could probably say that about Tigres, you know, how how many Mexicans start week in and week out for Tigres, you know, people I could think of, you know, Javier Aquino, uh, Chaco Rodriguez, you know, that's about it, you know, everybody else on that team seems like nothing but foreigners. Yeah. Yeah, and, and so that's, that's, that's what I'm saying, like, you either have to make the sacrifice, you know, you 
the Liga MX is going to grow to a global market and to teams bring in outside talent, you know, to fill in the shoes, you know, and to and to and to win titles, you know, to help to win the titles, then rather than you the youth prospects, you know, but that not only that that does that have to be with within the America facility, but also with the federation as well as as well, you know, because it's such a short season. There's no guarantee that Diego Linus is going to get minutes uh, minutes this season because you know we we brought in foreigners too, and it's such a short season. See if if we followed the the schedule like uh, European countries do, you know, where they start in about September all the way through May, then you know it probably could be a different story. Okay, I agree. Yeah, that's I mean that's very valid. I mean either one or another. Um, I think I there is a sense of of maybe the league is starting to you know call the shots more and more. Um, kind of like a dictatorship. And I think that's what he was also alluding at the fact that, you know, the federation at this point has the power. They, you know, they input the rules, they kind of do what they want, and, you know, they they start looking less as a federation, more as a dictatorship. Um, you know, we do have a problem with the likes of foreign players. Um, they say that they have it under control, but really, it looks like really nothing's actually changing. Um, so, I mean, he does allude to that. I mean, I think it'd be great to have some of these legends come back into the club and kind of run things because if it's one thing I think America needs to is to improve their youth players and to improve and improve their the, the way the rank system is going through that through that whole process because we're not seeing enough players step up. We have, what, Diego Alainis and Anton Alvarez besides that. So, I mean, another player that actually came through the ranks and made it as big as these two. The last player you could possibly tell me is probably Raul Jimenez and uh, Diego Rea. So, I mean, it's been quite a, quite a while before we see a player come into the ranks, uh, which are good. Uh, we can we can definitely talk about, you know, exactly what's, you know, what America's doing in that part. But I think, you know, we'll stick more to what Cuomo Blanco was saying on La Última Palabra. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep going on the topics uh, he said, which I think the biggest one was that he wants to coach America one of these days. It's always been his thing. It's always been what he's always wanted to do. Um, when you hear, you know, Cotobo Blanco say that he wants to coach America one day, what 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 do you what are you feeling inside? It's pretty exciting, you know. I would love to see, you know, a club legend like that come back too as well. You know, it's good to have formerly played also coach because it tells them how, it shows how much they love the game and how much they want to make an impact in the game too as well. And, you know, like he mentioned too in the game that he wants to obviously go to Europe, study there for a little bit and, you know, come back and show what, show what he's learned and what he's brought. And I feel like he can turn the club around. And obviously who to give – um um, more chances um, if he was to come and coach. Yeah, yeah. He said that he would play very aggressively, very attacking, and very flamboyant, which means he said, I don't care if they score three goals on me. I will go up the pitch and score four goals myself, uh, which is, I think is a great attitude to have, but but it's a bit of a worrisome attitude too because, you you know, sometimes you need to learn that you, playing aggressive football may be not always the best solution. Um but like I said, like you said, it's it's a very exciting thing to hear that, you know, Cuauhtémoc Blanco come and coach the team because he is, like you said, a legend of the team, a legend of the game. 
So he would understand everything. And he said himself, I want to give more of the youth players an opportunity. He said, play, I only want about four, you know, three to four foreign players, really good foreign players that will come in. They know what the club is about. They will die for the jersey and that they will, you know, perform week in and week out. He's like, those are the type of players I want on my team. He said, I want to, you know, play with mostly all you, uh, all Mexican players, mostly all youth players, um, which is interesting because there are some people that they think that America is should not be doing that. They think America is a team where you should come in and play once you are established as a good player. Um, some people have, you know, said that they they don't think America should be a place where Canteranos come in and play. They think, you know, let them play in other teams, and then we buy them, and then we have them. You know, it's it's more of a sense, you know, America should be more of Real Madrid in the sense of, you know, them being, uh, you know, a team that bring out prosperous youth. So I think. It's one, you know, Guatemala Blanco, one of the biggest idols, if not the biggest idols of America, you know, is kind of contradicting with what a lot of Americanistas say, that they do not want to see all these, you know, unexperienced players. They want someone that's actually uh, made already. Well, that's kind of understandable, too, you know, but at the same time, you know, if if you have this great prospect and he, you don't develop him, then whose fault is that? you're the fan base that wants to bring players in that are already made and once they step foot, you know, and they want them to perform and once they can't perform, you already want them gone. It's, it's just, it's just kind of hard to say too at the same time, you know, preferably I think I want Guantemo to come back and just be a player coach and just see himself himself in. Yeah. yeah. I, that is something I see him doing. You know, it's, like, it's like the 75th minute. Like, no one's doing what he wants to do. He's like, you know what? Fuck this shit. He just kind of like, takes off his suit. Has like a jersey already put in. Like, he's like ready to go. He's like, give me the card. I'm going in. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I just think that'd be crazy if he just uh, like, you know, like, hey, you're coming off and I'm coming in. And I, I don't know. It'd just be weird. Like, who would stand there in his place? <laughs> You can see, like, you know, America's, like, in the final, and it's, like, the 90th minute. We get a penalty, and, like, it's a penalty. Like, you either score this to win or, you know, you go into extra time, and you can just see Cuatro Blanco just, like, you know, like, it's my turn. And he just, like, kind of opens his suit, says, all right, put me in, coach. And then he's like, oh, wait, I am the coach. And then <laughs> so he just, you know, takes, takes you know, probably takes, like, the goalkeeper out or something and says, all right, it's my turn. And just, you know, goes and, and takes the penalty. So you you – you know, hopefully that day comes, and uh, but I do hope it comes at a good time. Uh, the only thing that worries me is that Cotomo Blanco wants to be coach and Miguel Herrera is not ready to leave. I think the perfect scenario for this is Cotomo Blanco has gone to Europe, has experience, is no longer involved with his politics, and has studied enough that he is confident to be a coach. Um, Miguel Herrera is then taken to the Mexican national team, and now there's an empty slot because of that, and now Cuatro Blanco just fits in that slot perfectly. I think that is the most perfect scenario you can ever have. Yeah, I think so too. You know, I, I just don't want that that Miguel Herrera and Cuatro Blanco to like 
and it, it, it result it results in a problem for the club too as well you know but you know it was kind of strange too whenever Miguel was at Cholos you know after um Lope was um really saying that he's not going to resign with the club you know so, um yeah Lope left and so Miguel is now I'm waiting for a medic to call me back so I can go back after he left uh Cholos you know I just think that was weird you know how he was like yeah I'm ready to go back to America you know but yeah. you know it, it it's just I just don't want that to clash you know I, I just had a good time you know maybe Magada Herrera has just left and then Guatemala comes out and says okay I'll take this job yeah yeah no yeah definitely um well, you guys heard it live here first. In about three years, we're going to see Miguel go back to the Mexican national team. Uh, we're going to have Cuatro Maco come back. America's going to make it to the final. going to be playing against uh, Monterrey. And in the 90th minute in the Estadio Azteca, Cuatro Blanco is going to rip his suit open. He's going to have an America jersey that says Blanco with the number 10. And he's going to score a penalty. And we're going to win our 15th title. Oh man, I just love this scenario. <laughs> I just, I love it so much, dude. I hope it happens. And you can just see, like, like you know, it's like you know, the shirts are probably gonna be even tighter more then, so it's gonna look like he just got jelly rolls everywhere. But he doesn't care because he's Cotto Blanco. He doesn't care how he looks. Yeah. All, he knows is that, all he knows is that he's gonna go and he's gonna put that ball in the back of the net. The man dude, will if, still if, have it. If that happens, dude, I'm just gonna like go around screaming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If if that happens, if that happens, um, I will I will get, go to the barber shop and have them uh, design and have like a cool little on the side that says CB10. Yeah, dude. I'll, def- I'll I'll definitely do that too, dude. I'll do that too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you guys are here live, and uh, we'll keep our word when that day comes. Well, this has been episode four. Thank you, every single one of you guys who have tuned in. Shout out to uh, Mari Alonso, uh, who has joined us today and was very active on the live to uh, on the live chat. Every single one of you guys who uh, you know messaged us. I think there was uh, Eugene. Um, yeah, Eduardo, excuse me. Uh, you know, we had a whole bunch of people join us too. Uh, for those of you who cannot make it to the live show, don't worry. Like I said, mentioned, uh, we're on iTunes, we're on SoundCloud. You guys can find us on those platforms. It's always a pleasure to be able to interact with every single one of you guys. Like I said, follow us on Twitter. And for those of you who kind of prefer Facebook, we are on Facebook as well. Uh, we just uh, opened up a page, so we'll leave a link in that too. Uh, you guys can find that on our Twitter page as well. Uh, so we're definitely excited to bring you guys more content and uh, we're looking forward to talking to every single one of you guys so uh yeah i think it's been a great podcast it's been a great opportunity to talk to every single one of you uh dylan like i've always said thank you so much for taking the time to come out and uh you know join join in the ramble yeah man no problem i always enjoy you know this is something i look forward to and um gets me through my tuesdays after a long and everything that's true (laughs) Hopefully, hopefully this gets you guys through your Tuesdays as well. I know before you guys had us, there was only tacos. And let's face it, now you guys put tacos in us together. And I promise you, that's almost the perfect partnership. So I hope you guys have a wonderful, wonderful evening. We'll be catching you guys uh, very, very soon again. Uh, we'll see you guys uh, next Tuesday at the same time. Uh, and until next time, guys, just take care and uh, 